Welcome to the Fan Bros, the show where the bros are fans. Doodle. What's up, Internets? This is Chico Leo here with another Fan Bros special delivery. And I'm flying high above the Brooklyn night. And I am joined by Lando Ilrissian, Big Illawyc. What's going on, Chico? What's up? What's up? Are you uh, Lando Ilrissian in the Millennium Falcon? You know, I'm an intergalactic space pirate drinking my <laughs> Cold 45. Your Cold 45? Now, have you been watching uh, the Rebels, the new Star Wars cartoon? Yeah, I checked out the special. Uh, they had a movie, which is basically the the first two episodes of the season premiere that are gonna. It, the series starts again, and the second season starts this fall. But the movie was really cool with um, Darth Vader in there kicking some serious. Yeah, Darth butt. Vader was kicking ass, and uh, and it was really James Earl Jones doing his voice. And Lando made a uh, brief appearance. By hologram, yeah. Yes, and it really was Billy D. Williams doing his voice. So we had some uh, original players on the table. And yeah, that was a few weeks ago. We hadn't gotten a chance to... uh, to talk about that but i've been watching rebels i i thought it was really dope um, yeah it surprised me with actually how it, it's it's you know uh teen to college age target audience but it's surprising with how good it's been and how it's tried to kind of adhere to the new mythos that they're developing with star wars under um i guess it's what disney owns them right yeah disney yeah, yeah. so yeah i mean they cut short clone wars because when disney bought it and Rebels is the first Star Wars, you know, property that we've seen out under Disney. I mean, Marvel was releasing some comics, and of course, there's the movie coming out in Christmas time. But the, the Rebels was the first thing, and I, I thought it passed with flying colors. So I know the uh, Blu-ray and DVD is coming out in September, but um, I'm pretty sure they're rerunning it on one of the Disney uh, networks, and it's definitely worth checking out if you're a Star Wars fan or if you want to become one. <laughs> yeah, Ben should give it a shot. I Absolutely. Ben, ben should definitely give it a shot. Um, so my question to you, are you feeling apoplectic, Chico? I am not feeling apoplectic, but it seemed like on TV tonight a lot of people were feeling apoplectic. Uh, on on True Detective, the episode was called Maybe Tomorrow. And, uh, yeah, Vince Vaughn and, surprise, surprise, Colin Farrell, they had a conversation. Uh, and uh, the being apoplectic came up. Um, so you were right. Uh, basically I, I was pretty sure that it was going to be a big, you know, surprise death and they killed Colin Farrell. And even though basically taking two shotgun blasts from basically point blank range, not wearing a vest, he still manages to, to survive with just, you know, bruised ribs. What do you think about that? I was, I was pleased that they didn't go with the bulletproof vest route. You know, that he actually right. did get shot. 
Um, I think the reveal that it was like rubber bullets and the allusion to it being a police officer. I think that actually is kind of, you know, heightened the mystery of who, who the mysterious uh, invader was. And, you know, so it served its purpose. Um, so I think they kind of uh, escaped from the situation in, in an effective manner, you know, because I didn't want Colin Farrell to die. I didn't think he was dead. I mean, I thought it would have been cool if they were just, you know, blasting him. But it just seemed kind of um, oddly timed. So I think that now they have another kind of, you know, they've really been working on the mystery angle of True Detective this season. And so I think they have another kind of notch in the belt in terms of trying to create a really effective mystery and that these detectives actually have to find clues and unsolve and unravel. And they have to work together because each one is finding a different piece of the puzzle because um, they've mostly been investigating separately. Um, jumping ahead a little, there the show ended or towards the end of the show, a mysterious mass figure burns two of the detectives car like their car do you think that's the same dude no it wasn't the detective's car it was a car that was caught on oh film. that's Maybe right that was the, yeah, yeah yeah sorry right right no that was the car that was the clue um that was then burned uh, yeah and i think it's probably the same the same individual um i thought he had on the same mask because when they first show him when uh ray notices him he has on that kind of white mask that he had on from the last episode Oh, he did Before have he the takes same off. mask. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, we've we've got a little more into the characters' uh, histories, their motivations. Uh, more onion, more layers of the onion have been peeled. You know, Vince Vaughn's gangster character has to go back to his past. He thought he was out. He thought he was clean, but you know, to sort of fix this last deal going awry he's got to go back to his roots uh yeah the whole episode kind of featured that right you know you saw colin farrell had to go back to his criminal underground element um and taylor kish had to go back to his perversions right well so yeah so clearly he had some kind of thing uh like uh you know Brokeback Mountain type of weekend with that dude in either Afghanistan or Iraq. That's what I got from that scene, right? Yeah, it looked like you know they were uh, had some sand between the butt cheeks going on. Yeah, yeah. So he, uh, so yeah, he, so that sort of clues us in a little into why he's having uh, issues with it, with his relationships and you know wants to be alone all the time and. He obviously has some stuff he's got to work out. Well, and um, also his mom with the herpy lips. Because, um, you know, it was real serious undertones. Like, maybe he and his trailer trash mom had been fucking around. You know, when she was rubbing on his back in the last episode and kind of, you know, giving him the herpy lip smile. Right, um, yeah, no. And, th- and that was obviously added to that whole weird, like, Inland Empire. Like, you know, like I said, Grand Theft Auto, when you go out with, like, Franklin's people and out into the wilderness out there. Uh, um, Trevor, Trevor from Grand Theft Auto. Trevor, right, yeah. not Franklin, sorry, Trevor, yeah. Um, and so, uh, yeah, no, very, very, very much so. There, there's clearly something weird going on there with him and his past, uh, both with his mom and, and in Iraq. Um, also, what is it, Annie? Is that what's her name, Rachel? Uh, what's Rachel her McAdams. Name? Yeah, it's uh, yeah. some. It's Antigone. Yeah. 
Um, she, she obviously also is having problems with relationships. I mean, the show is not an advertisement for, you know, the happy home lives of cops. <laughs> not in the slightest. No. And there's even a weird scene when, uh, Colin Farrell's character is at, um, the doctor getting patched up and, you know, he's going through the litany of like how much he drinks and how much drugs and how bad he eats and how little he sleeps and all that. Um, so yeah, so we, we got a little further into the case. There's a couple of more deaths, a couple of more mysteries. We're seeing the different, um, departments, interdepartmental, each of them, the people in the state of California want to nail a dirty cop. The people in Vinci want to obviously hide their own dirty dealings. Like everyone has their own. Uh, and then the cops themselves even have their own motivation. So it does seem like everybody's working at cross purposes, even as they're assembling little bits of the puzzle. So. They got five episodes left to solve it. I imagine it's going to get more mysterious. And then towards the end, it's going to take some pieces from, you know, this police group to that. You know, the state people are going to find this and the Vinci people are going to find that. And, you know, yada, yada, yada. The cops are going to end up solving it, you know, against the will of all their superiors. Now, are you really invested in this mystery? Um I know with the first season, I really wanted to know who the Yellow King was. I really was right. invested in trying to figure out, okay, what was going on. I think this one, this one is playing as a more traditional um, gangster story and gangster, you know crime thriller. But I think it's coming together as a, an effective mystery. You know, the the first episode kind of left me kind of lukewarm, but the second and now this episode, they really kind of pulled me in. So I want to know what's going on. I want to know what's happening. Who has Frank Simeon's money? Who killed Casper? But it's a different draw and a different pull than it was um, with, during the first season. You know, and trying to figure out the the, the uh, Yellow King and what kind of freakiness was going on with those guys in Louisiana. Yeah. See, so this, like, I feel like you're right, is a very traditional mystery, and a lot of these things always end up with corruption. You had mentioned that you know, that this was a very traditional mystery, and I agree. And often there's state or city or some kind of uh, official corruption going on and in, in, in these mysteries. And it's often about just seeing how that gets uncovered because we all live in different municipalities all over the place, but we're all at risk of getting screwed by corporations and by, you know, greedy Donald Trump types and, and, and all of that, that, you know, this sort of thing has to do with. Um, and, you know, the normal person is, is always screwed out of these deals. And so it, it, I feel like there's always a primal interest in seeing how these things play out. Because um, that could be your town, your city, you know, screwing you over, taking your tax money, you know, uh, taking something like a railroad that's supposed to help people and, you know, just using it to line your pockets. Um, with gangsters and all kinds of lowlifes. Um, but yeah, it's, it's got sex, it's got drugs, you know, it doesn't have any rock and roll, but it, you know, it definitely has all the seamy, 
you know, stuff oozing out each episode. And it had the first team up between Taylor Kish's character and Rachel McAdams' character. It did. That's right. And they uh, they seem to even hit it off. Um, Rachel McAdams' e-cigarette has uh, been her icebreaker with, with both her partners. Both her partners can't stand her e-cigarette. <laughs> yeah, no, though, though, I'm not going to lie. Those are, uh, those are a little suspicious. Um, who knows what what uh, what people are inhaling? That stuff's made in China. They're hacking our computers. For all I know, they're uh, they're hacking people's brains with the e-cigs. Alrighty. Yeah. <laughs> and that brings us to iRobot. Exactly. No, Mister Robot. Oh, Mister iRobot is uh, Will Smith. So yeah, Mister Robot, uh, you can't be paranoid enough. Um, although it seems like, uh, Elliot is the right level of paranoid. Um, the second episode is often a crucial episode for a show cause they, they can hook you in with a great concept with the pilot, but once they start actually having to, you know, tell a real story, um, uh, you know, it, it shows can, can, can lose their luster pretty quickly. So I I actually really liked the second episode. What what did you think? I thought it was cool. Um, it did kind of step down a, a, a slight bit for me because um, I kind of expected more from that initial confrontation with Evil Core, you know, right. um, and that kind of derailed things. And then as the rest of the episode went on, it got kind of interesting once we got you know introduced to the drug dealer, the the drug dealing girls pusher or or. Uh, I don't know what they're because supplier. supplier. Well, he's a supplier, but like I don't know if he was. He right. had like a pimp vibe to him too. You know, right. that's why it was kind of like a weird drug dealing pimp type of mashup. Right. That was kind of you know. Plus, he had like the hip hop baggy pants style, so it was kind of a weird mashup. But he was like a freaky little guy, and kind of created a, a first uh, street level antagonist for uh, Elliot to deal with. Yeah, so it's interesting. They're definitely creating. You know, he's got to use his hacker skills to defeat like the bad guy of the week but there's clearly this overarching story involving evil core and his job and the the hacking group um f society which is obviously a ripoff of anonymous like their video even looked like you know uh, a cheap version of some of some of anonymous's early videos yeah um And they've sort of moved forward with their plan. Um, And it seems like he's damned if he do, damned if he doesn't. He's been invited into the inner sanctum of Evil Core, which in fact, so Evil Core is called E-Core. And because we're only seeing things from Elliot's perspective. And as an aside, their logo actually looks like Enron's old logo. It does. It does. He uh, he calls them evil core, and so everything that he hears when someone says e core, he hears evil core, and when he's talking to us, the audience in his head, he says evil core. So in a lot of ways, he's actually an unreliable narrator, you know. Well, yeah, um, and the booze and the drugs. I mean, come on, right, right, it makes you well, pretty he's, unreliable. He's troubled, <laughs> yes. Plus the schizophrenia. So he's offered, you know, a position in Evil Core, which will pretty much guarantee he's a millionaire in a few years. Um, he'll be on the other side, you know, certainly, you know, working for 
the corporations and the evil the evil corporations at that and he turns them down and then has a whole freak out where he you know destroys his whole setup um still manages to save his drug dealing sometime occasional girlfriend um and you know he has these uh these outbursts these antisocial outbursts sometimes just to the audience sometimes to his shrink that you know i can't they definitely remind me a little of matthew mcconaughey rust cole on the first season of uh you know of true detective but uh you know they're dope you know i definitely feel like they've set up uh a really interesting world and an interesting point of view but um he's it's definitely all him like the the actor Rami Malek and just his facial expressions and you definitely get in his head but that's not to say Christian Slater's not dope too what 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 did you think of all did you did you see the uh yeah I mean uh the the end he uh they have a heart-to-heart that doesn't end so well for Elliot well I think the evil core is actually kind of a, a red herring um one thing I noticed with this second episode is that they're there was really no plot progression. You know, there is no, what does Evil Corps do? What is their purpose outside of being a generic evil corporation? I think the real antagonist is going to prove to be Mr. Robot and his crew. Um, they kind of reveal that they're willing to sacrifice lives for their cause and they want Elliot to get in on it. And that was a big source of conflict with him and Mr. Robot slash Christian Slater, Christian Slater where he didn't want to kill people. You know, he didn't want to... Um, hack this or this gas pipe system that would cause this explosion and murder people right so they wanted to blow something up that would then destroy some server farm that had a bunch of information on it um and so the only purpose in blowing up the gas line was blowing up this server farm next door and yeah innocent people might die and elliot wanted no part of that so now he's caught between the evil corporations and the hackers who are willing to stop at nothing, or if not nothing, you know, a lot farther along the path than most people. Well, they're just more, they have an anarchist vibe. They do. And that's the thing that I found interesting, and I think there's going to be the actual source of uh, fodder for, you know, the, the plot and the story as you move forward. I mean, because if you really think about it, like not a lot happened this episode. I mean, they were, you know, we got introduced to the, the, the drug dealer, the drug supplier and Elliot's dealing with him and trying to, you know, help the uh, his drug dealing girlfriend. But on the evil coil Christian Slater front, you know, you had the confrontation between Elliot and Mr. Robot where he kind of refused his offer. And so he's really bouncing back and forth like his heart is with Mr. Robot, but he doesn't logically he doesn't want to get involved with them, whereas he hates uh, evil core but i could see them be- becoming more of an appealing situation for him down the line and kind of create more you know he has to make that choice you know which side are you going to go to and that's that's why it looks like they're going to hit as, as episodes continue one thing that i feel like could get old um in the face of the the bigger conspiracy you know co-worker overarching storyline no i was gonna say the um i mean she's sort of non you know a non-entity at this point but no this whole like him using his hacking skills to like you know break into people's facebook accounts and you know reveal cheating husbands and find people's dogs and you know i don't know you know like all that 
sort of stuff could get a little old. Um, if, if there is in fact like a case of the week that he needs to solve, like in the pilot, he, you know, his psychiatrist was dating a guy who was married and was serially dating with fake profiles on dating websites. And he, you know, uh, busted that guy and he busted the child porn guy in the opening scene of the pilot. And I just feel like. Him using his hacker skills like Oracle. <laughs> well, I don't mind his, you know. his vigilante hacktivism. It's 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 right. filler. You know, it basically pads out the episode because these those scenes only last for maybe ten minutes max, spread out. You know, it's true. But so it it, it doesn't take away from anything um, at present. I mean, if if a whole episode centered around one of these asides, then yeah, that would probably bother me. But it kind of gives it more like you know what is. Superman or Batman doing on a day off, you know, how are they saving people, right. you know, in their, in their, uh, when they're not in their, uh, superhero costume. Right, 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 right. So that was my only like, oh, I hope this doesn't become, you know, that. But other than that, I, I, I thought it was a dope episode, oh, you know, so he's, you can't forget they we got introduced to another factor. Um, Mr. Robot mentions another group that he wants involved on the oil, the uh, gas pipeline scheme, and then oh yeah, he mentions like some some group in China, like or or it's another group that's handling that. That's right, he does mention that. I mean, I assume these you know these cells work together. You know, well, it it looked like a guy who was um, involved is a he's spying on the girlfriend. You know, uh, did it? Oh, that's right. On the street corner, the girl, the coworker, and her boyfriend bump into some guy who's walking along, selling his CD or whatever. And then, like right. the next scene, you see that he's spying on her through a webcam, right. and on the cheating boyfriend at that. Right. So, and and do we think that's that's from the the other group or who who was that dude selling the CD? Well, we don't know. I mean, I think it's going to be right. one of the guys involved with Mr. Robot. Right. But it's not revealed. And well, Elliot's own participation, Mr. Robot, given that the show ends with Mr. Robot hurling him off a pier 20, 30 feet onto some rocks and broken bottles. Yeah, that's that's not the way to cement a friendship. Well, there's obviously a whole mind game being played, you know, um, and Mr. Robot obviously knows a lot more about Elliot than he's letting on. Uh, I mean, I'm assuming that Ellie. So yeah, you you might be right. Uh, Miss Mr. Robot might be the antagonist, and uh, the evil corporation could be the red herring. And uh, you know, we'll see how it plays out. I'm I'm not sure how many episodes are in the first season, but it's already been picked up for a second season. Well, I don't know. I mean, they have to in the third and fourth season. They have to drop something that's a little bit more compelling that can like carry right. through for the rest of the season. Because they dropped the bombshell of the big hacking the credit thing in the first first episode, but then that was kind of touched upon with the guy Colby and his arrest, but they didn't really do much with it, you know. So I'm just wondering, what are they gonna, you know, is it gonna become like another Orphan Black? We have a good right. Well, I'm hoping not that like that. That's what I'm hoping, you know, it doesn't become. Um, and I mean, we'll, we'll, we'll see time will tell, um, I'm rooting for it. I still think it's, uh, could be the most interesting new show this year. I mean, I'd have to look at a list, but it, it jumps out. Um, 
So, uh, yeah, I think that's it for Mr. Robot. I, uh, even though they talked about a lot of numbers uh, of zeros and ones in the episode, I think this was just called, like, episode two. Or, it, it had a title, zero, you know, one, something, something. Uh, yeah. Oh, it did? Okay. Well, yeah, they definitely talked zeros and ones. And uh, Christian Slater, that was his big uh, question to Elliot. Are you a zero or are you a one? Uh, breaking it all down to binary, binary <laughs> code. Cool. So, also tonight, you've been watching Ballers. I haven't been watching it. Um, you're a big fan. Critics seem to have been mixed on it, but what? Uh, Critics deserve what, to be mixed what's on been it. Going on. It's a, the first episode was really good. The second episode was it was okay to good. You know, it kind of it wasn't funny, wasn't dramatic. The third episode bounced back. Uh, this one is it focused on a big yacht party that uh, the Rock's character and Rob Corder's character throw, trying to entice and, and uh, athletes and let them know that they're the new financial management firm on a, on the scene. And so, of course, you get you know drinking and drugging and a lot of you know antics from there. I think that the biggest issue Ballers is facing is that they're struggling. It's not struggling. They they just have to kind of figure out their tone. It does all the comparisons to Entourage are. It's like they they they're right but they're wrong. You know, Entourage was funny. It was straight funny, but you also had like a bunch of kind of goofballs, and you had um, it was more definitely played for laughs. Whereas Ballers is played straight, and then there are funny bits. You know, so you can't really tell if it wants to be a comedy or wants to be a drama, and that's the problem it's kind of facing because there's not enough laughs to make it a comedy, but there's not enough drama that's compelling where you can really consider it. You know. A compelling drama. Yeah, that's that's been an issue with these cable half hour. You know, originally back in the nineties, the half hour show was always a comedy. The hour show was always a drama, and then they started adding some comedy to the dramas and some dramas to the comedies. And then you had these things like, you know, Jack Nurse Jackie, where she's a drug addict nurse who steals and lies, but there's still jokes all over the place, and it's like a half hour show. You know, it's sort of like Scrubs on acid, you know, with with an R rating. And and so this this could be falling into that. Like, if you don't have the hour to really develop the characters, then you can have a problem with the drama. Um, yeah, and, and uh, you know, comedy might not be right for every situation. I watched the pilot of what is it the bluff the the show with jack black and tim robbins the brink and it was just really tone deaf to me like in this day and age like to have like a a totally peter sellers pink panther like cia guy in jack black over in pakistan saying like really stupid offensive things it just like I don't know, like, there are people dying over there now because of stupid shit the CIA did. I don't know if it's, like, too close or too near, but, like, that shouldn't be, or it shouldn't be that kind of comedy with, like, essentially dick humor, you know. Um, And so, yeah, these these 30-minute shows, the dramedies, they uh they're experimenting and and sometimes not hitting on the right levels of comedy or the right levels of drama um and like i said you know the second episode is often the hardest so you said it bounced back with the third um 
It's definitely an interesting role for The Rock. Yeah, I think it's really a great vehicle for The Rock. I mean, it really shows him right. he's not in action hero mode. You know, he's having to deal with dramatic situations. His character is more of a straight man, um, but but it shows his kind of range. I mean, he did finally get physical, and, you know, it kind of developed that, that with his antagonist uh, that's kind of been going for the last two episodes. So that's going to be the real kind of through point as he tries to get his, his career and personal life in order. Yeah, I mean, uh, I'll I'll definitely check it out before the season. It's just, you know, there's been a lot of new shows, you know, and there's networks that we never, so, you know, I wasn't watching stuff on, you know, the USA Network, and now there's Mr. Robot. So it's getting more and more difficult, and, um, you know, there's more and more ending up in the DVR, more and more getting moved to the, all right, I'll just watch that on-demand, you know, folder, um, but yeah, I'm, de- I'm definitely gonna check out ballers. Um, yeah. I mean, if someone was said brink, the brink got a lot better, I might check that out again, but I, I was not impressed with the pilot of that. Well, I'm glad I missed that one then. Yeah, definitely. So another show that you, you missed was Penny Dreadful, which the second season ended tonight. And I was a little iffy on the first season, and then I went back and uh, re. Or, no, I didn't rewatch it. I caught a bunch on a day that they were rerunning them, like three or four episodes. And I thought the pacing was a lot better in a binge watch situation, because the the pacing is a little slow in a week by week um, type of thing. And they might have spent a little bit too much time, you know, quote unquote, getting the team together and introducing the characters. But I really enjoyed the second season a lot more than the first season. And if you're into classic horror, I mean, classic horror or steampunk, you know, um, the uh, what was the Alan Moore thing? The League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. Ter- yeah, it, it's it's the, the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen with Werewolf, a Witch, you know, Dr. Frankenstein, Frankenstein's Monster, Bride of Frankenstein, Dracula, Renfield... Some of them have to go by different names, but they're all there. They're in Whitechapel, London, right after the Jack the Ripper killings. And it's a lot of cool supernatural stuff. Um, It's like if True Blood didn't have all the camp. Um, And it's definitely set in that, you know, very Victorian period. Um, It's a really dope-looking show, like, art art direction-wise. Um... You know, if you're into horror, you've probably checked it out. If you gave up on it, I would suggest maybe, you know, on a dark uh, winter's night, checking it out um, on, de- you know, in a binge watching on demand situation. So you don't have to wait, you know, week to week to week. But um, yeah, one one thing that I want to say, there was one African character, Sambene, and he didn't get much to do first season and they gave him a lot more to do this season and then they killed him at the very end of the last episode but unlike colin farrell i actually thought colin farrell was dead on true detective but i didn't think Sembene was actually dead on um penny dreadful and i just think they could have they could have he could have gone out in a much better way if they needed to kill him and I don't think they need to kill him. He was the only person of color on the show. There's plenty of reasons to have a Chinese character or an Indian character or an African character during, you know, Britain's colonial period. 
there were all kinds of people who came from those countries to Britain. So, you know, they had this character. They started to do some cool stuff with it. And then they killed him in kind of a whack way. So, I don't know. Points points against that. And I guess, spoiler alert. But um, that left a little bit of a bad taste. But there's definitely some 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 real good supernatural stuff that might have even sort of stolen some of the thunder from the Doctor Strange movie that, you know, is still a year or two away. Um, and then one other show you might not be watching is Killjoys, which is on the sci-fi channel on Friday nights, and they've had three episodes, and it's about some bounty hunters in a future, um, and the leader of the bounty hunters is a Afro-Swedish woman who goes by Dutch. And that's, uh, that's that. It's good, good, good sci-fi action from the creator of Lost Girl, which um, is more of a fantasy type thing, but it's on Netflix. Anyway, if you're looking for some, some fun sci-fi, I recommend Killjoys. And if you're looking for some not-so-fun, but, you know, very... Um, gothic horror check out Penny Dreadful which second season just ended this weekend what I am looking forward to is the season premiere of Ray Donovan which starts right. next week they've released the first episode for the third season on YouTube the full episode so you can check it out and uh, drop us a line let us know if it's something you want to check out and cover on special delivery right absolutely um check us out uh you can visit fanbros.com you can check us out on soundcloud subscribe on itunes shout us out on twitter and let us know if you're going to be watching ray donovan and let us know if you're going to be watching the strain because both of those start next week <laughs>